listening to Telios Talk, a podcast on being complete in Christ, hosted by Buzzsprout, with your hosts, Alastair Murphy and Wendell Martins. Please visit our Facebook page for more discussions, articles, and more links. This is Episode 4, and we are on Part 3 of our discussion about sin. Today's episode is called The Solution to Sin. We'd like to thank everyone who has been listening and following what we're doing and sharing the show. We really appreciate all the support that we are getting from you. Absolutely. So we are four months into our podcast, which is kind of exciting. We made it four months. Before we start, I would suggest we have a recap of what we have talked about so far uh, in the last two episodes. Yeah, so basically what is sin? We started off asking about where did sin come from and what is sin? We discussed sin being the breaking of God's law. And And that's from James, right? That's right. And how the law is written on our hearts, right? So everybody knows when they're breaking the the law and nobody is innocent of, of that. And then we also looked at whatever happened to sin. We talked about Steve Taylor's cool little song there. Sin doesn't seem to be very prominent anymore or at all in society. Uh, In fact, it seems to be going the opposite way. And even in the church, sin just doesn't seem to be talked about anymore. So, like, is it being ignored by the church? You know, sometimes I think that people, uh, the church or other people put across that, you know, God's got soft on sin. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is like whatever happened to sin, you know, a lot of it comes down to fake obedience. You know, you talk the talk, but you don't walk the walk. Where has sin gone? That was the other thing we looked at because it seems to be marginalized. Um, there was a really good thing you said last episode. It's being like pushed out and pushed away or something. Yeah, yeah. Almost like a piece of sleep in your eye that is kind of annoying, but you can get rid of it. and then Yeah. Right, yeah. So I had a quote that I thought I'd share from... Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, and he says, their God is something which they created themselves, a being who is always prepared to oblige and excuse them. They do not worship him with awe and respect. Indeed, they do not worship him at all. They reveal that their so-called God is no God at all in their talk, for they are forever saying that they simply cannot believe that God will punish the unrepentant sinner to all eternity, and this and that. They cannot believe that God will do so, and therefore they draw the conclusion that God does not and will not. In other words, God does what they believe he ought to do or not. What a false and blasphemous conception of God. How utterly untrue and unworthy such is the new paganism of today yeah i like that first line where he says that the god that they've created is a being who is always prepared to obligate and excuse them and that kind of takes us into the other thing we looked at about the conviction of sin you know where is the conviction of sin we all know we've sinned paul in romans very clearly says all have sinned and, and fall short of the glory of god but What's worse about it when it comes to conviction is that Paul, in the same in the same book to the Romans, he says that although people know God's sentence, uh, they know the just punishment for sin, which is people who sin deserve to die. Mm-hmm. Um, people not only gl- sin gladly, but openly, and they encourage other people to do the same. And that's so much like how the world seems to be today. You know, there's no conviction of sin. Um, if you look at the word conviction, it means to convict, 
and not in the sense of putting someone, convicting someone of a crime, but it means to convince somebody of the truth. And God gave us the Holy Spirit as a means of convicting people of our sins. Uh, and you can find that in, in God, John's Gospel, chapter 16. But people have closed their hearts and their minds to the voice. In fact, I remember hearing this week a series of sermons by, by Pastor Alistair Begg where he, he was talking about, if you hear his voice today, do not harden your hearts yeah. uh, like the Israelites did when they were in the wilderness. And it's kind of like this whole lack of conviction of sin. It reminds me of what God said about the people in Noah's day that, you know, the stench of their sinfulness was too much for him to bear. And look what he did then. You know, yeah. how close how close are we to that type of lack of conviction and, and fulfillment of self-indulgence, you know? Yeah, you know, when you're talking about what Paul said in Romans, it just brought to my mind what Jesus said when he was talking, I think it was to the Pharisees and Sadducees. And he says, you brood of vipers, you make your followers twice the, the sinner that you are. You know, and, and yeah. Paul writing in Romans, he would have been in that category, whether he heard Jesus say it or not, you know, it's... It's almost like his commentary on what he heard being said. Yep. We looked at where sin came from. We talked about a little bit about the fall of Satan, a little bit about the sin of Adam and the continued sin of mankind and how it's something that everyone has. Everybody's a sinner. We're, we're born into it, part of our nature. Yep. And there's nothing you can do to pay off your sins. Something that's prevalent among basically every other religion and even non-religious thought is yeah. that there's this scale that you can do a certain amount of bad but then you can do another amount of good even yeah. it all out and then we're we're cool right yeah and that's actually going to come up in a clip we're going to play in a little bit here yeah um, and yeah you're right you can't earn heaven uh, you can't buy your way into heaven you can't work your way into heaven nothing you can do can pay off the debt of sin that you owe to god Nothing we can do humanly will get, get rid of that. Jonathan Edwards, uh, in his sermon, famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, said this, Sin is the ruin and misery of the soul. It is destructive in its nature. And if God should leave us without restraint, there would need nothing else to make the soul perfectly miserable. The corruption of the heart of man is immoderate and boundless in its fury. And while wicked men live here, it is like fire pent up by God's restraints. Whereas if it were let loose, it would set on fire the course of nature. And as the heart is now a sink of sin, so, if sin was not restrained, it would immediately turn the soul into a fiery oven or a furnace of fire and brimstone. He says a lot there. And, you know, with it being in kind of like old English, because um, I think that was written in the 1700s yeah. when, he, when he preached this sermon. But sin is the ruin and the misery of the soul. It is destructive in its nature. And if God should leave it without restraint, which means God's actually holding it back a little bit, there'd be nothing else that would make our, our, our lives more miserable than unrestrained sin. And uh, I was thinking about that this morning, too. I was reading Psalm 1, where it says, uh, Happy is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or walk in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of wicked counselors. Happy is the man who meditates on the word of the Lord night and day. So sin will bring you misery. Mm -hmm. the word of God will bring you happiness. Yeah. So there's our recap. Let's, uh, let's move on to today's episode. All right. And the question we're going to answer today or attempt to answer today is what is the solution to sin? We've spent two episodes talking about the problems of sin and where it came from today, talking about the solution to sin. 
the important thing here is that the solution to sin has eternal implications. Mm. The solution yep. to sin involves real repentance. You know, something that I think is hard for people to do in this sort of time of pride. Everyone is so full of themselves to be really repentant, to come down, to have your heart broken, as it were, is not something that we are comfortable with or that something that we look forward to. The solution of sin requires the fulfillment of the law. A lot of people are now saying they're New Testament Christians. They are rejecting a lot of what's happening in the Old Testament. They say the law doesn't apply to us and you can get into arguments with people. The yeah. problem is, if you want a solution to your sin, the law must be fulfilled. And, and, and what does that look like? Yeah. The law demands judgment and the law dem- demands justice as well. Yeah. So the solution to sin comes through our gift of salvation that God offers us. And it, it involves embarking on a life of ongoing change. I know you and I had talked early on, you know, to start off with the sin topic isn't for us to say that we are without sin, right? Like, yeah, if you say that you are, are not sinful or if you say that you don't struggle with sin, you're a liar and that's your sin right there. You know, let's, yep. you know, <laughs> to, to be completely honest. Yeah. Um, this ongoing change is called sanctification in Christianese, as it were. Yes. So, you know, sanctification, that's another big topic. Maybe something for another another podcast. Another episode, yeah. Yeah. And uh, actually, in light of uh, what you were saying there about the solution to sin, um, I recently watched a video, uh, interviews, um, where people were asked, are you going to heaven? I thought it'd be kind of interesting in light of the topic for people to kind of uh, listen to the, the answers, uh, maybe wonder about the answers and maybe they can ask themselves the question too. How do you fit with these answers? Like if you were asked this question, are you going to heaven? How would you answer that question? How would you know if you're going to heaven or not? So let's roll those interviews for a minute. Sure. That sounds great. That's honestly a tough question. I think almost every faith has their heaven. I think that I'm going to heaven because I believe in God and I believe that Jesus died for our sins. In my opinion, I have, it hasn't been determined for me yet, just because I haven't really lived very long. Yes, uh, I'm a Catholic. I don't think any of us can actually know until we die, I guess. I do believe I'm going to heaven. Um, I grew up in the church. If you believe that you deserve to go to heaven, in a way, if you believe you're the honest and good person that you should. I do think I'm going to heaven because I believe in God. Um, well, I was raised Catholic, so I was raised that as long as you accept Jesus into your heart and you practice basically what you preach, then you go to heaven. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Maybe not because I just use Jesus' name in vain. I've been saved and I've been baptized and I go to try to go to church every week and read my Bible and stuff. I guess I believe in God and I believe that like after life he brings us to a better place and you get to be like reunited with your loved ones. I, I like that idea that it's almost if God does love everyone that all his daughters and sons should go to heaven. I can't determine that. So... Personally, I don't know if heaven exists. I kind of hope it does. After my decision-making lately, I might have some repenting to do, but 
I definitely think that I'm going to heaven because I'm an overall good guy, good person, you know, um, have a good attitude, and I believe in God, and I go to church every once in a while. Um, I haven't really been to church in a while, but since I have accepted Jesus and I try to live by the Bible, you know, um, not sin as much and just spread the word about Jesus, then yes, I do feel like I'm going to heaven. I can't judge myself in that way, so all I can do is act appropriately and do nice things for other people and try not to be an asshole, like, perfectly honest. I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I think, um, maybe if I, the rest of my life I'm a, I'm a good person, maybe. I don't think this time in my life, well, I don't know, maybe if I die tomorrow. I feel like it's more complicated of a, of a topic than people actually think. You know, so I was like, oh, if you do think good things, you're going to go to heaven. I don't think it's as easy as that. I don't know. We'll see. I think I'm doing, I'm pursuing a career in medicine, so I'm hopefully going to be helping others my whole life, so hopefully that that'll do some good for me. I think that just, you know, doing good deeds and being a good person that, you know, yeah, I'll probably end up in heaven, hopefully. Hopefully the big guys are uh, watching this one right now, you know. So it doesn't really sound like people actually know the answer to that question, does it? A couple came close, though. There's almost a feeling like they deserve to go to heaven, you know. Yeah. Why wouldn't I, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing. The reason I wanted to play that clip, too, is because people know about heaven, or they think they know about heaven. Yeah. People have these interesting concepts. Um, they think it has something to do with being good or living a good life. That came up time and time again on the, on, on the comments there in the interview. Um, they see it as a possible reward for good behavior. It's almost like a get-out-of-jail-free card, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like if I, <laughs> I'm a good person. Uh, there was one guy there that said he was becoming a doctor so he could help people, you know, yeah. so he thought that might help him, you know, get into heaven. That's just a reward for good behavior, and that's not how it works. Or the, the girl they, that said, I'm Catholic, right? Oh, I'm Catholic. I'm going to heaven. This, yeah. This like someone saying, um, just to pull at what you were saying earlier, I'm a Calvinist. <laughs> or, I, or I'm an Armenianist or, you know, whatever, Armenian. Yeah. Um, but don't put but, the two in the same room, right? No, don't, no. Um, <laughs> But the entrance to heaven only comes one way. The solution yeah. to sin is only one thing, and that is faith in Jesus Christ. Absolutely. You know, in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. Like You didn't do anything to earn it. Uh, mm -hmm. It is God's gift. It's not from works. It's not from being good. It's not from being successful. It's not from being part of a certain religion. And, you know, just as a sidetrack, the book of James, a lot of people, they don't like it because it seems to suggest that we could work our way into heaven. And yes. it's not what James is saying at all. It's, you know, go back and read the book and, and it really paints a, a much clearer picture than we would like to think. Yeah. And I actually, I agree with you on that because I used to read James like that. You know, I'd read it and be like, well, I guess I'm not going to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, I didn't think it was all about, you know, show me your, your faith and I'll show you my works, you know. And yeah. that's the thing about when you spend time with God and you spend time reading his word, he will clarify things for you. You know, things that are maybe a little bit tricky, you keep reading them, you keep studying them, eventually they'll make sense. And that's what happens with the book of James. Absolutely. But you have that conviction of sin, James all of a sudden becomes like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Thanks. And 
it's one thing to say that you're a fruit tree, but if you don't have any fruit, it's kind of hard to convince me that you're a fruit tree, right? Yes. <laughs> kind of what you need to say. Um, and we, like I said, we know heaven exists. Um, and I'm not talking about, you know, these books that come out or these movies like heaven is for real or, you know, man died and went to heaven for three seconds and came back. Like we're not talking about that type of sensationalism of heaven. Um, Jesus, we know heaven is real because Jesus himself, mm -hmm. uh, who is God and will not lie, he says, in my father's house are many rooms. And if it weren't so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? If I go away and I prepare a place for you, I'll come back again and I'll take you there myself so that where I am, you might be also. I like the old King James rendering of it where it says, in my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, would I have told you? Yeah. Uh, if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. I love that word better than take you. Receive you unto myself yeah. that where I am, you may be also. So we know heaven is real. Jesus has prepared it for us. He wants us to be there. Mm -hmm. He's prepared rooms, rooms for us, you know? Yeah. You know, and it doesn't matter where you look in Scripture. Everything in Scripture um, points to heaven. And we read of certain people who were taken to heaven or given a glimpse of heaven. Uh, Apostle Paul describes his experience in his second letter to the church of Corinth. I think it may be a reference back to what Revelation is all about, you know. But yep. he says, I know a man in Christ who was caught up into the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether, he's, whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. I know what this man, whether in his body or out of his body, I don't know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which a human being is not allowed to speak. And that's in Second Corinthians twelve, verse two to four. Yeah. You know, you know, when we were when we were talking about this verse earlier in the week, I actually had to read it twice because I thought maybe that Paul had repeated himself. Yeah. He said, whether he was out of the body or not, I don't know. God knows. But I know this man, whether in and out of the body or not, I don't know. But God knows. <laughs> but he's not repeating himself. What he's trying to say is, I know a man in Christ. And then he's like saying, like, I know this man. So we know that it's, you know, and Paul saw stuff that he couldn't talk about. Sure. Yeah. You know, but people can forget about heaven. If they think that being a good person or going to church or reading the Bible or picking a helpful career, anything like that's going to get them there. You know, we used to call the, we used to call uh, people who were born in the Catholic church, uh, cradle Catholics. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of people have that that sense that of entitlement, mm -hmm. the, the sense of entitlement that they deserve to go to heaven, but they can forget it because there's only one way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I guess I need to ask a couple of big questions. Um, what has happened in the church that the world no longer knows what sin is? You know, we were given a task, we're given a job, we're given a commission, um, and people don't know. They don't know what mm -hmm. sin is. You know, what has happened in the church that the world no longer knows that sin is a problem? People are talking about my truth. Well, I'm living according to my truth, right? Well, yep. there is well, only one truth. <laughs> you know, what has happened in the church that the world no longer knows what the solution to sin is? That's, and that, I think, is a big question. Yeah. You know, um, 
in light of that, um, there was an interesting study done by the Pew Research uh, into the content of sermons across a whole bunch of different Christian denominations. So they looked at Catholic, Catholic Church. Uh, I believe they looked at uh, your mainline Protestant evangelical churches. Um, they looked at, uh, trying to think now, there was other denominations that they all looked at different sermons. And they wanted to look at the content. So regarding the use of certain words, um, what they found was that only evangelical Protestant churches used words such as sin and hell. However, the research also noted that even though those words are used, they are not very common even within that tradition. So the words such as sin and hell, they show up, but not very often. Yeah. Uh, the study reported that a congregant or a, a participant of the study who randomly chose one of the evangelical churches in the study and listened to all the sermons it posted online during an eight-week period. It's a lot of listening. Uh, that person would only have one in ten chance of hearing the most distinctive phrase in evangelical sermons, eternal hell, or a close variant like eternity in hell. So there's a one in ten chance, if you were to listen to eight weeks worth of sermons, there's a one in ten chance that you're going to hear anything about sin or hell. Compared to, in a Catholic homily, or Catholic message, um, you actually hear that word homily four out of ten times. Yeah. Um, if that person had chose a Catholic church. Um, so the words sin and hell from that research show that it is, they are not common words used in evangelical Protestant churches today. Yeah. And, and you know, my guess is that most churches aren't talking about sin and hell because they don't want to lose people. You know, and the, and the pastors don't want to lose their jobs. They don't want to offend people. I mean, how terrible that we yep. can offend somebody, you know. But what's that's our job, right? It's not to offend people, but to tell them about sin. The and, yeah, tell them the truth about sin. Tell them the truth about the judgment and justice and what is awaiting them. Like, that's that's our job. And if we're not going to do it, <laughs> I, I don't want to be controversial, but... In this day of political political correctness for everybody, it just seems like that if we don't talk about it, we don't have to deal with it, right? Yeah. Uh, Matthew Henry wrote in his commentary, "Christ is hated because sin is loved." Yeah. Right. So. And just to interject there, you're talking about being controversial and political correctness. Two things: one, uh, people don't want to lose, or pastors don't want to, churches don't want to lose their congregants. Yeah. Uh, well, that's kind of changed in light of our current pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nobody going to churches now. Yeah, which is very interesting. Well, um, I read, I read today that in Canada, anyway, they're talking about keeping churches closed for at least another year. Yep. So that's going to have a yeah. huge impact. There's that, and then the other thing too is about political correctness. You know, like. Christ is hated because sin is loved. I recently heard about a church um, here in BC, and they were going to have a a meeting of the church members to decide how they were going to deal with homosexuality within the church, within that specific church. Mm. And I remember thinking about it, talking to someone about it too, and I thought, how can they how can they have a, a discussion about homosexuality with the church? The Bible is very clear about it, like how we how we accept and we love people who are uh, 
or living a homosexual lifestyle, that's different. But how the church responds to sexual sin is regardless of whether it's homosexual or whether it's something else. We, um, the Bible is very clear on it. Mm-hmm. And Matthew Henry's right. Sin is loved and Christ is hated. People don't want to know that what they do for kicks and giggles is bad. They want to be able to have their, you know, their, 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 their lifestyle and have heaven at the same time. Exactly. Um, and what were you saying too about, about hell and, uh, and sin? Um, you know, one of the most recent stats, I think it was 2015, uh, estimated that 57 million people died globally. That was in 2015. So five years later, we can assume that that number is higher, that 57 plus million people die every year. And how many of those people are going to hell? Yeah. And how many are going to hell for eternity? Because either they had never been told about sin, uh, the problem of sin, and most importantly, the solution to sin. And even though the law is written on their hearts and, and they should know better, you know, in, I think it's in Romans where he talks about look at creation. Like God's law is written in creation. We have no excuse. And yet we're still being told to share the solution. The, the whole gospel message is the solution to sin. Yeah. And um, actually, just talking about Romans, I wanted to jump to that actually really quickly. I know we're kind of maybe going a little bit off here. But um, yeah, he says, uh, in, in Romans, Paul says, uh, for God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, or sorry, against all godliness, uh, godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them, we're talking about the conscience and the conviction of sin, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. So as a result, people are without excuse, for they, they knew God, Yet they did not glorify him as God or show him gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed beasts, and reptiles. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and God says something, too, about um, the consequences of not telling people about hell. Uh, I like um, C.T. Studd's uh, quote. He said, um, some people want to uh, work within the, this is kind of a paraphrase, but they want to work within the chimes and tolling of the bell. He said, I would rather run a rescue shop a yard from hell. And, you know, if we don't tell people about the solution to sin, this is what God says. This is from the book of Ezekiel. And this is always kind of terrifying. <laughs> Suppose I bring the sword against the land, and the people that the people of that land select a man from among them to appoint as their watchman. And suppose he sees the sword coming against the land and blows the ram's horn to warn the people. Then, if anyone hears the sound of the ram's horn but ignores it, uh, ignores the warning, and the sword comes and takes him away, his death will be his own fault, since he heard the sound of the ram's horn but ignored the warning. His death is his own fault. If he had taken the warning from the watchman, he would have saved his life. Mm-hmm. Christians, we are all watchmen. Yeah. We are, we, we're all supposed to be sounding the horn, warning people that 
judgment is coming and that their lives are going to be lost. And here's the part for, for us. However, suppose the watchman, or let's say the Christian, sees the sword or judgment coming, but doesn't blow the ram's horn or doesn't warn the people so that the people aren't warned and the sword comes and takes away their lives. Then they have been taken away because, uh, sorry, then they have been taken away because of their iniquity. But I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. The person who doesn't blow the horn, the person who doesn't tell people the danger is coming, God says he's going to hold those people's blood accountable to the, to the person who should have told them. Yeah. How much, how much blood um, is the church responsible for? Yeah. Who are you accountable for? Yeah, that's, that's a very sobering thought. <laughs> yeah. So, as we're kind of wrapping up here, because I, I think we're, we've covered a lot, um, what is, more importantly, what does the Bible say? We're talking about the solution to sin. So, what is the solution to sin? It's not good works, it's not a good career, it's not being born into the right family. What is the no. solution to sin? Well, you know, I like the story of Paul and Silas, and they're thrown into jail for preaching the good news, the gospel mm. of Jesus, you know, basically sharing the solution to sin. And they're sitting in jail, which would have been very unglamorous. There's no uh, golf courses in their jail. Paul no. and Silas are chained up, singing and praising God, and there's an earthquake. And the cell door is open. The jailer, thinking that his prisoners are gone, looks for a permanent solution to terminate his position. He decides to kill himself. And Paul shows to the jailer, don't hurt yourself, we're all here. Um, the jailer called for the lights. This is from Acts 16. Okay. He fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas, and he escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, <clears throat> just thinking about the fact that this jailer has been sitting there listening to Paul and Silas, sharing the gospel in chains, in jail, anyone who will listen and even those who won't, yeah. singing, just expounding the good news, and then something like this happens, and he's at the point where he's willing to kill himself through fear, and they say, hey, you know what? We haven't gone anywhere. We're still here. Yeah. He, he just says, what must I do to be saved? It has hit home for him. And they say to him, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved, you and your household. And in, yeah. that, in that statement from Paul and Silas, the jailer, that's the exact answer to the question about the solution to sin. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. Your sins are forgiven through Jesus. Yeah. Your justice, the price has been paid, you will be saved. You know, um, again in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit descended on the believers in Jerusalem during Pentecost, Peter told the crowd, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Yeah. You know, it's he's just saying it again. He's just saying, if you want to be saved, you want forgiveness of sins, repent, be baptized, believe in Jesus, believe in the Lord Jesus. Um, you don't just repent and make the decision to turn completely away from your sin and your sinful lifestyle, leave it behind. Um, it has to be not just an act, but a complete change in who you are, a complete change in your character, and allowing God to make those changes. 
Yeah. It started on the way that leads to heaven, right? You were you were mentioning something uh, when we were preparing for this about um, including one of maybe Ray Comfort's examples, and I know maybe we can post one on the on the Facebook site. Um, I think Ray Comfort has an excellent way of of showing the gospel to people, especially people that are resistant. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's the same answer. The solution to sin is the message of the gospel. And again, to use a Christianese word, gospel, it simply means the good news. Gospel means good news. So the solution to sin is the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was sent from heaven so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And this is here's a key, key verse that we all know. For God so loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him, so that if anyone believes in him, he is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned. Help. Because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. There we have it. You said it when you were talking about Paul and Silas. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Repent, believe, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would really encourage anybody who who wants to read the words of Jesus himself to sit down and go through the gospel of John, go through the book of John and see what Jesus himself has to say about the way of salvation. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of great resources online and I think we're going to go ahead and post a few of those resources in the next few days. Once this episode has been aired. Yep. Um, So encourage anybody to go check out our Facebook page and look for those. Um, And I guess that brings this topic to an end. There's so much more that I wish we could have said. Um, yeah. There's, there's so many things that we cut short, but just the just the truth of the reality of sin and the impact it has on our lives, and, and the fact that the solution is there, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah. uh, you talk about you know, it's, I have noticed one thing that trying to contain a lot of these subjects, these these core subjects uh, or doctrines. It's really hard to do in like 40 minutes or 45 yeah. minutes, however long we're allowed. And when you said about we could say a lot more, it reminded me of this, the last verse in John's gospel, it says, and there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if every one of them were written down, I suppose not even the world itself could contain all the books in which it would be written. And isn't that the truth? It is. Yeah. And yeah, as we close, I would just, again, recommend everybody Read the Gospel of John. Pick up your Bible. Start reading it. Find out for yourself. Look at resources online. We'll post some. They're great. Yeah. But, yeah, thanks. I guess we have to thank everybody again for joining us for another episode. Absolutely. And uh, let me just close in a word of prayer. Yeah. And next uh, next month's episode is on what subject? I think we were talking about hell, weren't we? <gasps> Yes, hell. <laughs> you double, double was it H H E double hockey sticks? That's the one. Yeah. All right. Anyway, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll okay. say goodbye. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this time that we've had to share your word about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. There is only one solution to sin. There is only one way to heaven. 
And it's not by works, because none of us have the right to boast. But salvation comes through believing on the name of Jesus Christ, not just believing on his name, Lord, but committing our lives to him 110%, changing how we are. Lord, you said in your word that you don't want anybody to perish. You don't want to see anybody going to hell. Lord, help us to be watchmen, to warn people about the coming judgment, but more importantly, Lord, to tell them about the solution to sin. And Lord, may sin come back into the church in a positive way that people may hear about it and be blessed uh, by the preaching and the proclaiming of your word. Thank you for these podcasts that we can share this with other people. And I pray you bless all of our listeners in Jesus' precious and worthy name. Amen. Amen. We have, we yeah, we have some microcasts that are going to be going up uh, probably this week. I encourage people to look for yep. those. Uh, topic of hell in a month. Let's see what happens. And yep. other than that, have a great month, and uh, we'll talk to you in a month. We will talk to you in a month. Take uh, care, everybody. You betcha. Bye.